It's the e-commerce master plan podcast here to help you solve your marketing problems and grow your e-commerce business. Cutting through the hype to bring you inspiration and advice from the e-commerce sector and beyond. Here's your host, Chloe Thomas. Hello and welcome to our latest podcast. I'm Chloe and it is awesome to have you out there listening. In today's episode, we're getting deep into the world of blogging and content in order to build that community who are there, eager and waiting to buy your products the second they're available. Without the sponsors, the podcast wouldn't be possible. So please do check them out first. This episode is brought to you by SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. Shipping and mailing from your desk has never been simpler than with SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. With SendPro Online, it's just click, send and save for as low as $4.99. That's $4.99 a month. Try it free for 30 days and get a free £10 scale when you visit pb.com forward slash masterplan. That's pb.com slash masterplan. Cash flow slowing your growth? Exchange rate fees driving you mad? You need seller's funding. We've helped hundreds of retailers solve these problems with our easy way to access working capital and local currency collection accounts. With the number one direct lending platform of 2018 in the US, we also serve the UK and other markets coming soon. We provide funding from as little as $5,000 to as much as half a million dollars. And our customers have given us a five-star score on Trustpilot. Let us help you navigate through these challenges with greater clarity and flexibility. Visit us at www.sellersfunding.com forward slash e-commerce dash masterplan. And now to introduce today's special guest. Christian Zeron founded Theo and Harris, which is a vintage watch retailer in 2015. Four years on, it's a thriving online store and vlog, which now does $2.5 million per year. Hello, Christian. Chloe, thank you so much for having me on. It's awesome to be chatting to you and to be talking about, about a subject I don't think we've yet covered on the on the uh, podcast, uh, all about vintage watches. But we'll get we'll get into that later. Before we get deep into that, though, how did you end up running an e-commerce business? You know, the, the answer is because it, it really is so easy to start one. You know, in today's marketplace, right? I mean, I had no experience in retail. I was in I was in college. I was a second year college student. I had no experience in retail. I hadn't sold anything beyond uh, I think fake IDs in high school, right? So, uh, so you know, uh, going on, you know, Wix and then putting together a Shopify, whatever the heck we did at the time for, you know, pennies, $10 a month or something like that, um, was made very simple. It was very possible for someone with no prior experience to do it. And that's how we started. Very cool. And um, so was it a desire to create an e-commerce site or was it, here's a product that I could sell and e-commerce is a good fit? Yeah, it, it was just, you know, I figured, let me, let me you know, focus on a product that I am genuinely passionate about. And, and, and those are only a few things. And one of them, maybe, maybe the largest is, is watches. I'm a really big, um, you know, at the time, leisurely watch fan. I was reading about watches. I was, I was even writing about watches a little bit in my free time. I mean, I, I just, I was just a passionate kind of geek, of course, not nearly as knowledgeable as the authorities and the business at the time. Um, but that being said, I, I had a, I had a pretty substantial level of knowledge for, for an amateur. 
sure. Um, so I said, you know what? I think that this is a fairly um, immature market, meaning that the players aren't as strong as they will be. And it's the, the players aren't, uh, you know, there aren't as many players as there will be. So let's just take a shot and, and, and get in, you know? So I started off and, and I bought a little bit of inventory. Um, it was, it was $10,000, which is, which is plenty of money, but in that business, it's, it's a very insignificant amount of money. And, uh, and I started trying to at least sell watches. Very cool. And uh, now, obviously, you've reached $2.5 million sales per year, which is pretty impressive. And I'm sure many of our of our listeners would would like to, to emulate you on that. So let's just kind of tick the boxes of where the business is right now. So where are you in the world and where are you sending those watches to? I'm based in, in New Jersey, which is a, a state right outside of New York. Uh, I'm in I'm in New York City once to twice a week, so I have a bit of you know infrastructure there as far as sourcing watches and things like that. Not too much, but a little bit. Um, but I do uh, almost almost thirty five, almost forty, depending on the month, percent of my business internationally. Um, we're we're very very lucky that we're able to um, reach international clients. Whether that means that um, it's a simple watch strap or it's a you know twenty five thousand dollar Rolex. Um, we have clients in Great Britain. We have clients in Australia. We have clients in Italy and Germany. Um, I've met some of these clients. I'm actually going to Oktoberfest in September um, for leisure. And I had 10 clients reach out and say, Christian, that's so great. Like, could we please meet? You know, could I buy you a beer? Can we, I think it's have mass. And I was like, yeah, we can definitely. But uh, let me bring you a watch, you know? So, uh, so it's an international business. Very cool. And you, you call your customers clients. So I'm guessing you have quite a, a one-on-one relationship with them due to the nature of the product. I do. I, I think that, you know, when it comes to a high ticket item like like watches or, or like cars or anything, I think it's very important uh, to develop um, a very personal relationship, meaning, you know, knowing your interests, knowing, you know, what you like, what you don't like. In many instances, knowing who your kids are and when their birthdays are. You know what I mean? I think it's extremely important to, um, one, befriend them uh, legitimately. And two, if you're not best friends, then, you know, you have to kind of play the part sometimes because because uh, you need to foster that trust. And the you, you mentioned about the the product being relatively high price point. What sort of price points are we talking for the watches you're selling? So uh, we have some exceptions. You know, we've sold some watches in the sub five hundred dollar range, but really the vast majority of our business um, sits in that uh, beginning of. $1,500 up into the $12,000 range. That being said, we have, you know, bought and sourced and sold watches, you know, 25,000 and up. Um, we're actually starting an effort right now to focus a lot more on the business between the 15 and $30,000 mark. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a wide range, but, uh, but predominantly between two and 10,000. And you mentioned sourcing there. Because obviously, if it's vintage, then you've got to find the product. You can't just call up the manufacturer and say, send us a box of 100. Exactly. So how how important to the success of the business would you say is the product sourcing side as opposed to the product selling side? It's extremely important. Um, again, that's maybe one of my favorite parts of the job. I love getting to source and sift. It's the same way that someone that was manufacturing belts, let's say, you know, from Italy would enjoy that process. Uh, I love, you know, looking at hundreds of watches a month and only buying dozens. I think it's a, it's a blast sifting through um, a pool of mediocrity often um, to find something that's truly interesting or something that, um, I know that someone else will feel as passionate about as I do. 
So are you doing the sourcing yourself? Because that's the impression I'm getting. I do all the sourcing. I'm the only person at Theo and Harris that is authorized to buy a watch. Cool. So you get to spend a lot of time looking at watches then. I spend a lot of money and time on watches. Sometimes <laughs> Don't want to ask how often does a watch not quite make it onto the shop floor? Uh, you know, so often, so I really do believe in the products that we sell uh, from, from oftentimes an investment perspective. So I have tied up uh, basically a, a substantial portion of my own uh, assets, my, my own worth um, in these products. So I have no problem, um, you know, buying a, a pack of a package of watches, a lot of watches and putting them in a safe. I know that many people, you know, don't practice what they preach as far as, you know, the items they sell. But I believe in this market so strongly that it's very often that I buy a watch and it doesn't make it to the site. It may make it to the site in a year. Um, you know, oftentimes, and it's a little bit off the beat, so I won't spend too much time on it. But you know, there are watches that I look at and I looked at in 2018 and said, these are great value, but I think they're going up. So it's going to serve me to not sell it, to hold that capital and uh, put it in the bank, forget about it, and maybe pull it out, you know, 16 months from now. And that's paid off uh, in spades. I guess that's one of the things about dealing in a, in a vintage product is there's that element of speculation and understanding the market, isn't there? One hundred percent, one hundred percent. And what, just out of interest, what classes is vintage? Is is a twenty seventeen model a vintage model, or do we have to go further back? So basically, it's it's brand new, pre owned, and vintage. Vintage is usually classified as as twenty years, um, but there are some thirty year old watches that are pretty much so you know modern. Um, it's kind of difficult. The way that I've always described it is um, a, a watch or any item that represents a different era, and that era could very well be the nineties. But if it represents the 90s specifically, you know, with real distinction that I consider that vintage. And I guess that it's that representation that people are interested in, isn't it? It's, it's, does this go with my sense of style? Exactly. I mean, you know, do I walk around in, you know, uh, full light wash denim outfits, you know, singing Backstreet Boys? No, I don't. But some people do, you know, so my light wash denim jacket may, you know, may appeal to, and that's of course vintage in a different game, but it's the same principles. Um, I, I, I've expressed interest in doing this. I haven't done it yet, but I have a couple of friends that do the vintage car game and uh, particularly vintage Porsche game and, you know, the, the resale market. And uh, the trick basically is, and it's fairly common knowledge, is um, you, you start to invest in the cars that your future clientele, meaning the people that are buying this in two or three years, grew up with. Like they grew up looking at, you know, they grew up with it on their screensaver. They grew up with it, you know, hanging above their, you know, their bed in their bedroom. So that's the same principle with watches. Very cool. All about us reliving our youth what we couldn't afford when we were young. If I was rich at, at 11, what would I want? You know what I mean? Like that's, you know. And you mentioned straps earlier as well. So is there a certain amount of watch accessories that you're retailing? Yeah, we do. Um, basically, our, our, our revenue is, is, is has a couple of tiers. Of course, you know, watch retail. Then we do a, a, um, complimentary goods, as in you know, goods that complement watches, watch rolls, watch straps, um, wallets occasionally, bracelets, accessories like that. And then, you know, as we'll get into in a second, you know, because, we have uh, leverage social media through photos, but specifically through video, um, we've created a following. So now we are able to monetize our, our following and do brand partnerships and things like that. So those are, those are the three ways that we basically, um, you know, pay, uh, pay ourselves. 
Very nice. And a few quick questions for you before we get into that world of content. Um, which platform are you running all this on? Are you Shopify, Magento or something else? Yeah, we're, we're Shopify. And given you're on Shopify, there must be some widgets or plugins you're into. So what might they look like? Yeah. So, so the, I think the, the most valuable thing that I can that I can kind of relay, um, and it's something that I just talked about on a team call the other day, is is you know appealing to authority, right? Uh, I you know I'm the I founded the company four years ago, but but we really really delegate out very seriously. So my employee number one was Anna, and I was making fun before. You know, Anna manages almost all things digital, right? She manages you know just all of all of our computers. Like one of the most important tools that we use digitally is the Google Calendar, right? The entire team just has this, you know, thick, thick, you know, all full color Google Calendar that manages everything. I can't even look at it. It gives me a headache. Um, but, uh, but, but we have that, you know, Aaron, who's our webmaster, Aaron is actually the only team member that's, you know, not like 23 like I am uh, and Anna is and, and Logan is. Um, Aaron uses, I can't even begin. I mean, <clears throat> Google Analytics has been one of the most, I think, uh, 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 powerful tools, even though it's so simple. But when we've gone to pitch to advertisers, you know, it's, it's, it's been something that is so comprehensive and it's so thorough and it's so reliable that we've been able to produce, you know, uh, kind of like deliverable documents that are rock solid. So there are, there are a thousand tools, but I really do, um, you know, delegate out and allow everyone to focus on exactly what it is they're good at. Very cool. Well, let's get into that world of content because you're touching on it there with that advertising revenue stream, because you discovered quite early in the business that vlogging was going to be your friend, didn't you? Yeah, we started the business in February and we started, you know, our, with our video content in September. And was it, because I guess for me, you know, I'm not a watch connoisseur, but for me, watches are quite a flat, simple product. And they're certainly not the thing I would immediately assume that vlogging and content would be essential around. So how did it come to pass that you ended up getting so deep into the, into the vlogging, um, so well invested, I guess, into the vlogging space? The funny thing about about watches is is, is that it's it's fairly niche. Most why I call them watch geeks, watch enthusiasts um, that I know don't personally know another watch geek. They've never met one. They've never hung. It's like a secret society. But on the obviously the internet is a tool that, that has enabled this entire community to connect all over the world. So a watch geek based in you know Cincinnati may feel like he's part of a larger community because he is, but at through YouTube, through Instagram, et cetera. But at no point has he actually sat down with a you know like-minded person and said, wow, I really enjoy your insight about Rolex. It just never happened. So, so we've been able to, through YouTube, through Instagram, but YouTube specifically, you know, build this community that makes people feel like the party that they have kind of always wanted to go to. You know, it's, it's a really geeky thing. It's, it's, it's kind of weird. You know, I totally recognize that. Um, but, um, but being able to, you know, give insight and give opinion is 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 of great value to a lot of our uh, a lot of our clients because they've just never heard it before and clearly um gold dust as well from a marketing standpoint so so do you focus on the latest watch news so what's coming out or do you restrict it to the vintage side of things 
It's actually a really good question. So um, obviously our, our business is, you know, vintage watch retail. That being said, we completely recognize that vintage watches are even more niche than regular watches. So all of our content cannot circulate around vintage. Everything relates back to vintage in one way or another, but we, you know, ride the kind of wave of, of what's going on in, in pop culture and, and modern watch news. Just today, for example, we released a video talking about um, Ellen DeGeneres giving Mark Wahlberg um, a, a watch. So it's hot topics, things that are clickable, you know, ideas that people that aren't necessarily in the watch community might just click on. No, it's Ellen. It's it, you know, it's Ellen DeGeneres. It's Mark Wahlberg. Sure, I'll click. You know what I mean? I guess. And then you've you've kind of almost got a funnel of content interest, haven't you? So you've got the person who's just interested in what Ellen's just done, who comes in and goes, "Ooh, watches," and then you've got the person who's going, "I like modern watches," going, "Ooh, vintage watches," and you're like a slow education process. And it's been, you know, three and a half years. So it's been very slow and and we've made so many mistakes. I'm so embarrassed with so many of the videos we have up there. You know, it's just, you know, it's what happens. But, you know, the truth is um, for better or worse, you know, for better or worse, each video has contributed to a, a great net positive for ourselves and for the community. And, you know, we're, we're currently talking on an audio only podcast and I know a lot of the, the listeners read blogs. Um, how how did you come to the decision that it had to be vlogging, not blogging or podding, I suppose? Yeah, no, another really good question. So, you know, the, the the biggest players. So when we started, we were obviously were brand new. We had we had very little money. We had no um no like industry veterans, no professionals. So we really just had to kind of play a different game. Everybody else out there, and there were quite a few major players in the in the content world around watches. Hodinkee's one, a blog to watch is one, for watch is another. It doesn't matter, but those those are the big players. Um, they uh, they were all almost all written content, and of course, highly educated people um, making some a lot of great content. But ultimately, you know, if you you know, I don't want apples to be compared to apples. I don't want you putting me next to Hodinkee because I'm not, I, I wasn't as educated as those people. So I said, I have to do something different here. And that's where video came in. Yeah. You can't compare me to the industry leaders if we're doing something totally different. We're in the same space, but we're not better or worse. And that was kind of the, the answer to, you know, develop our, you know, develop our own individuality. Oh, nice. So there's a big old gap in the market that fit, fitted with, with what you were doing. And then the, the community responded by consuming and consuming and consuming. And given, you know, you spent a couple of years now building a community around that vlog content, have you got any tips to anyone out there who's thinking that their audience, their customer base might be equally appreciative of vlog content of how to get started? Oh, absolutely. I mean, really, ultimately, the, the big word is consistency. You've got to be, we've, we have like 800 videos on YouTube, so many of which were failures, right? But ultimately, like I said, they've, they've you know, snowballed into a significant presence. Consistency is absolutely huge. The other thing that I would say um, when it comes to, you know, developing content, if, if you're already being consistent, but you can be consistently bad, which is a bad idea, um, is the other thing is, is self-awareness, right? Be, be, listen to your audience, be aware, is this the right direction I moving? You know, is my content actually furthering my goals? Because if you're just being consistent mindlessly, you're wasting a lot of your time. Um, Now, that being said, the audience isn't always right. The audience doesn't always get the big picture. You know, they've got their other things. They see the big picture of their lives. You know, they don't necessarily see the big picture of yours. So it's really a matter of, of balancing, but you can't balance until you've actually weighed what's going on. 
Excellent advice. Um, but I need to come back to that consistency piece, though, because do you mean consistency as in every Monday something goes live or it's always about 10 minutes long or it's always you doing the, doing the vlog? Or Yeah, and that's, that's another great question. You know, scalability is a big thing. If you're going to if you're going to insist on building a large, you know, presence by, you know, uh, really upping content output. We put out three videos a week, right? At one point we were at six videos a week. Our company was not necessarily stronger at six videos than it is at three. So sometimes it takes just a, a you know, a, a decision to say, let's actually scale it back strategically. So more isn't always better. You know, when we were putting out six videos, they weren't as good because you're, you know, you're spending less time on each. So, you know, uh, if now if at six we were outsourcing two of them, it would have been easier and more manageable. Uh, everyone's system works differently. The, you know, the, the, the best thing to do is just figure out what is working and jiving and then, you know, don't stop that. If you're committing to two videos, do two videos. If you're committing to three, do three. Um, I don't recommend just one. It's very hard to build a following off of one video. Um, YouTube just isn't kind to that. But if you're doing two or three videos a week, you know, for a long time, the odds are you're going to capture audience. And when it comes to a lot of people starting off, they get very hung up on the quality of the finished product. You know, they want it to be something that Spielberg would be proud of and that could be viewed on the largest cinema screen in the world and look crystal clear. Um, is is that an approach you've kind of, do you now try and get yours somewhere closer to that than the handheld mobile phone? Or is it about the content first and quality second? The way that I have, have thought about it is basically this. I think that all of you, the, your thesis or your thesi, if that's even a word, um, they should they should all be well thought out and your arguments or your, you know, your, your messaging should be clear. That being said, not every video and the, the fact is the vast majority of your videos are not going to be Spielberg productions and they can't be. All right. One great video, the odds are it's not going to build your business. It's just not, you know, so you need to produce content that is of, of objectively lower quality. Now it can still be earnest. We released a video fairly recently. We have a studio and everything like that. And it's super nice. All these great microphones and all this money that I've spent on production. And yet we released a video a couple of weeks ago in the back of my car that did super well because the, because the, the messaging was honest and relatable. Um, and, and it, and it's, it spoke to those who, who care about watches the most. So not every video can or should be this beautiful production. Most of ours aren't. That said, I do think it's a great tactic to, you know, hold yourself to a standard of producing, you know, a, a particular number of great videos in, in a particular time span. Right now, we are dedicated to producing one truly great video a month. I mean, something that is just, you know, impactful and, 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 and almost perfect or as perfect as we could make it. But everything else, it just has to be, you know, good and honest and enjoyable and educational. E-commerce master plan is supported by some of the greatest companies in the e-commerce sector. Here's a reminder of who they are. Shipping and mailing from your desk has never been simpler. With Sempro Online from Pitney Bowes, it's just click, send and save for as low as $4.99 a month. Send envelopes, flats and packages right from your desk. And for being an e-commerce master plan listener, you'll receive a free 30-day trial to get started and a free £10 scale to ensure that you never overpay. 
Save time and money on mailing and shipping with SEMPRO Online. Starting at $4.99 per month, you can also qualify for special USPS rates for letters and priority mail shipping, calculate exact postage online and do it all by printing from your PC. Go to pb.com forward slash masterplan to access this special offer for a free 30-day trial plus a free £10 scale to get you started. That's pb.com slash masterplan. Experience shipping made simple with a free trial of SendPro Online from Pitney Bowes. Cash flow slowing your growth? Exchange rate fees driving you mad? You need seller's funding. We've helped hundreds of retailers solve these problems with our easy way to access working capital and local currency collection accounts. With the number one direct lending platform of 2018 in the US, we also serve the UK and other markets coming soon. We provide funding from as little as $5,000 to as much as half a million dollars. And our customers have given us a five-star score on Trustpilot. Let us help you navigate through these challenges with greater clarity and flexibility. Visit us at www.sellersfunding.com forward slash e-commerce dash master plan. It's time for the top tips round. I love this section because it gives me and our listeners some really quick ideas for taking our businesses to the next level. Christian, you ready for the top tips? I'm ready. Okay, the book top tip. If everyone listening to this podcast agreed to take Friday off and read a book to make their business better, which book would you recommend? I'm an enormous Ernest Hemingway fan. So the, the you know, would, would I, do I recommend you read Ernest Hemingway? I definitely do. More, more on a larger scale, I think that you need to read something that is going to make you relax. I All day, every day, I'm thinking about tactics and being aggressive. And if I'm going to relax and read a book on a Friday or a Saturday... I want it to be something that's just going to make me feel free. So when I get back to work, I'm aggressive. Uh, my favorite uh, Ernest Hemingway book is probably it's called uh, uh, Capital of the World, and it's just uh, it's just a, it's just a, just a wonderful book. You know, listening to you say that, I don't think I've ever actually read Ernest Hemingway, and I'm a proper bookworm, so I'm going to have to go and grab that one myself. Oh my god! Oh, it's so good. Because <laughs> I, I agree, getting away from it can be equally as good as reading something really practical. I can't tell you. I've gone for walks with with friends who you know, or maybe you're in college, and our conversations can be fairly superficial, and yet I'll leave that relaxing walk so energized for work. Um, I, I just come back like like an animal. You know, I, I really, really enjoy time off, even if it's an hour. I agree with you completely. Okay. The traffic top tip, which marketing method do you either prize above all others or think doesn't get the press it deserves? I call it be, being poetic. If you can be poetic and be kind of beautiful on any of these mediums, whether it be Instagram or YouTube or even LinkedIn, LinkedIn's a really big potential because everything on LinkedIn is so boring. Um, if you can figure out a way to be poetic on those mediums, people are going to feel like, you know, whoa, like what, what was, what was that? You know, we've turned watches, which are a fairly, in many instances, um, you know, status symbol, materialistic, in many, many people, they're very vapid. We've turned them into these products, these items that mean so much. They represent families. They, they remind you of your grandpa. You know, they, they, they serve as, you know, these vessels into the past and, you know, and all these things. And it's true, but but it's, it's not seen unless you communicate it. And that's more important than posting on Instagram. That's more important than being on YouTube. It's being there, you know, uh, beautifully. 
the tool top tip, maybe a collaboration tool, a social media plugin, a phone app, or just a way of working? Is there a cool little tool you use that makes you and your team more efficient from day to day? I know for 100% that Google Calendar keeps my entire company running. That I. That being said, I'm called every day with my with my calendar. Someone gives me my calendar every day. But I know for a fact that if it weren't for Google Calendar, that gets all of our team members. And we have six team members, which isn't that many, but it's enough to have disorganization. If it weren't for that tool, which we've only implemented in the last maybe eight months, this entire you know we would be working uh, so much more to do the same because there's too much overlap there's there's too much mismanagement and there's and there's too much um, uh, lack of coordination it's it's a simple app but geez it's it's so valuable very cool I, li- I like the slightly different recommendations and it's um it's like listen I, I haven't found like the most genius app ever like and if you have that's wonderful but I'm like I call like a lot of my business is very ghetto it's just the truth like it's simple things that are of great value yeah could not agree with you more okay the growth top tip if you met someone today who's focused on growing their e-commerce business from 100 orders per month to 1000 what would be your number one tip for them it's consistency 100%. It's it's being it's being consistent in all these mediums. I don't I'm not of the school that you conquer all of your mediums. I I don't believe in it. But if you can be genuinely consistent on even just one of them. And when I say consistency, I don't mean posting once a day. I mean posting two, three times a day. I mean taking adv- like for Instagram, posting two or three times a day, taking advantage of stories, DMing a thousand DMing back the thousand people that have DM'd you and DMing a thousand more, your business absolutely explodes. We must have four people at almost all times active on our Instagram, four team members. Cuz I genuinely believe in that uh, in that tool. I don't even believe in Facebook as much as I believe in Instagram. So we 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 are consistent and we double down. You know, we 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 do not hedge where we believe. Christian, great advice. I thank you very much for it. Now, before we say goodbye, could you please let the listeners know where they can find you and your business on the web and social media, please? Well, thank you all so much for listening. If you are a fan of vintage watches and want to learn about them, or if you want to buy one, head on over to theoandhash.com. But maybe for more of you, if you want to uh take a look into what it's like running a company like this. And it can be bizarre. I took a trip down to DC and bought half a million dollars in watches a couple of weeks ago. And, uh, and Chloe will put the link to the, to the vlog that we made about it uh, in the description. And it, it, was, it was wild. So if not for, for anything but a little bit of enjoyment, take a look at that. I love it. And yes, I will make sure the link is in the show notes for you all. Okay, Christian, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It's been great finding out about how, you know, really doubling down on key channels has made such a difference for you. So um, thank you very much. That's great. I do like to hear a slightly different type of e-commerce every now and again. And I think uh, Christian's business really does tick the box there. Theo and Harris is a very different type of e-commerce to what a lot of us do. Not only are they selling product where there's only one or two of it because it's a vintage watch and there's not going to be that much depth in stock, not only are they selling products that are huge in terms of price point, you know, we're talking thousands of dollars in per, per item. Um, they also are doing it by focusing on building community through the use of videos, which is very unusual in the e-commerce space. So um, fascinating interview there. I hope you've got a few ideas. And if you've had we ought to do more video on your to-do list. Hopefully the great advice Christian's just given you there will have um, helped remove some of the fear factor around it. 
To get the uh, notes from today's show, including the top tips, links, that video he mentioned and details of related episodes, then head over to ecommercemasterplan.com forward slash podcast. And if you're listening via Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please do give us some feedback via their review piece because that helps get us up their algorithm and helps more people find us and listen to the show. I hope you have a great week and keep optimising. Thank you for listening to the e-commerce master plan podcast. Find out more at ecommercemasterplan.com slash podcast.